is it about a woman being unapologetic about her dreams and her drive, operating in excellence and having high standards that people find so intimidating? Don't wilt, sis. Bloom with opulence anyway. Welcome to the Crowned Opulence Podcast with me, Cassandra Alexis. I am a marketing strategist, coach, and consultant, and the CEO of Opulent Outcomes Coaching and Consulting, but you can call me your Chief Empowerment Officer. On Sundays, we talk about the hard, messy, embarrassing, yet necessary things that we don't often talk about enough with each other as a Black woman. You know, those things we think we're the only ones experiencing, so we don't share them for fear of being judged just like you would at Sunday brunch with your girls. And yes, the mimosas are included on each episode. I'll let you in on a secret. You're not alone. We are our sister's keeper in the crowned opulent society. Then on Wednesdays, we'll talk business and goal crushing. I'll help you get the outcomes that you desire in life and business by showing you how to silence self-doubt, tune out the naysayers, Optimize your assets, own your opulence, and market your value. Sis, it's your time to be unapologetically opulent, and we're here for you. Let's get to it. Hey, lady. Strong is a term that is synonymous with Black women, but at what cost to us? By now, you have probably heard that health is wealth. Well, how wealthy are we really in terms of our health? Pretty much at the time of our birth, an invisible cake with a shiny red S is placed around our necks. That cake often has the weight of generations before us of Black women who have spent most of their lives putting the needs of others before their own, which is passed down to the next generation without really even realizing it. It is time for us to take the cape off, put our mask on first, and focus on our health. It's time for us to understand what is really meant by the Black Superwoman Syndrome. Heal our traumas, especially from our mamas, so we don't pass them down to our children. Have those difficult conversations around menopause, recognizing that at some point, we all will go through it. So why not go through it smarter? It's time for us to remove the stigma around infertility and truthfully stay out of other people's uteruses. Let's stop asking the question why someone doesn't have kids and let's stop answering it when we are asked. The same way we advocate for the health of those we love, it's time for us to love ourselves just as much and advocate for ourselves. It doesn't matter how many letters that doctor has after their name. No one is more educated on you than you. Let's get to it. For those that are not familiar, what is the Black Superwoman Syndrome? So the Black Strong Superwoman Syndrome or the Strong Black Woman Syndrome is just the pressure and expectations for women of color to manage multiple roles whether that be a mother, a wife, a full-time employee, part-time, sister, friend. It's just us managing multiple different roles in our lives and the pressures that can often come along with those roles. 
Now, let me ask you this. How does that differ from women of other cultures? Because they are wives and mothers and employees, and they wear these different hats as well. So how is it different for us as Black women or women of color? I just think for Black women from such an early age, we are just like pretty much trained to be and do so many things. You got to be the best. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. You have all of these expectations of you coming from your mom, you know, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your older cousins to be this best version of yourself. And then you just kind of silently carry that along with you as you grow older. Then you become this adult woman who is working full time. I got to go to school. I got to get this degree. You know, there could be expectations of marriage. So now it's, I have to be a wife. You know, what comes along with being married? People expect you to have children. So then you have a child or you have children. Now you've just added another role to you. And you're supposed to do all of this pretty much graciously. But it's a lot of stress that comes along with having your hands in so many different things at the same time. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as women of all races, Mm -hmm. we all wear these different hats and at different times, we are expected to be the be all end all to our families. Mm -hmm. And you touched on something that I think is so important and so ingrained in us mentally, male or female. We are told since children, You have to be the best. You have to work 10 times harder at school to get good grades, to get into college. You have to go through all these things to get a job. I mean, I think about the things that we go through in naming our children so that they can get into college, so they can get a job or have a chance, I should say, let me take a step back and not be judged by their resume. But by giving them a name where you can't tell if they're a boy or a girl, you can't tell what their ethnicity is. Just to play into this, you have to be the best. We're told you have to be super early. You can't make a mistake. All these different things Mm -hmm. just to get a seat to try. Let me let me correct that because it's not to get a seat. It's to try to get a seat at the table versus what things people of other races have to do. Mm-hmm. So you're a little kid being trained to think this way and you carry it through life. You carry it through life. And what that does is that it causes anxiety because you're always like on edge and you don't, I know when I was a kid, I didn't know what anxiety was. Nobody talked about it. But if you feel like you always have to go, 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 and you're just waiting for something to happen, you're on edge, that's anxiety. And so we carry that everywhere with us without even knowing that's Mm -hmm. what it is. You talked about this briefly in your introduction and your title of the things that you talk about initially caught my eye the first time I heard about it. And maybe it's the marketer in me because I am a sucker for provocative titles. And when I saw Trauma from Black Mamas, I was like, wow, that is deep. <laughs> and 
and I love that name. So can you go a little bit deeper and talk a little bit more about like what that trauma actually is? Yeah. So so at the core, trauma is basically just not feeling safe. Right. And so for everybody, that can be very different. So you and I can sit in one room, have the same experience and you may not be traumatized from it, but I can. And so it's not like a one size fits all. However, in our community and with our moms, there's so much that plays into it. And traumas can be very big or they can be very small. And they can be, you know, when most people think of trauma, they think of huge things, right? Like my mom beat me every day, right? You know, stuff like that. But it could be as simple as like, and this is a double trauma because it seems so regular or minute to other people. So it can be as simple as like your mom is overly critical or she's always putting you down or she's always, you can't ever do anything right. But it's literally every day, all day, right? Like it's constant. And that's traumatic to people. And then it becomes a double trauma because you go tell your friend or you go tell your aunt and they're like, oh, my mom said that kind of stuff to me too. Like they don't get the magnitude, right? And so nobody really understands what you're talking about. Or you could have a mom that when she leaves the house, she don't act like that at all. So they're like, what? No, I know your mom. You know what I'm saying? And so you're like in this cognitive dissonance of, am I crazy? Am I tripping? You know, so like trauma runs the gamut. And the problem is, we don't talk about it. It's that we don't talk about it. We don't even realize it's not normal. <laughs> we don't realize it's not okay, right? Like I've seen mm-hmm. people talk about stuff from their mom and they're like, I just, I'm so tired of this, but they don't associate it with words like this is abuse or this is toxic or this is like, and they don't see that they have choices, mm-hmm. right? It's just, this my mom. I got to take this treatment. And they don't realize, no, you are independent adults and you have choices you can make. And I think that's the biggest thing that trauma does is it like convinces you to think a certain way. And so you don't, because a person who isn't raised through trauma and they have free mind, they realize they have choices. They realize they can do other things and go, you know what I mean? They don't feel locked into somebody treating them in a way that makes them not feel good. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, everybody's trauma is not from a, a mother who just doesn't make them feel good. I mean, you have parents who are great mothers and, you know, but just human. And so sometimes you just have some traumas that come about, right? But the whole thing is, I always go back to, we need to start talking about it. We need to start understanding how it impacts us and then start doing different for the next generation. And so even though you kind of was like, all right, you made the decision not to have kids, it still had an impact when it was like, okay, this is for real. Now you're going to have to put up or shut up with this decision that you made. And, you know, it's kind of too late to go back now. And even as you were talking about what it was like going through the yoga class and the different meetings and your body being out of control, I can't imagine the mental space. And everybody's going to be different because some people, you know, really are like, I'm tired of my period. It's kicked my butt for the last 30 years. Goodbye, good riddance, et cetera. But How have you managed your mental health and your emotional health during this transition for you? It was tough. It was very hard. And I think, again, it was one of the reasons why I was searching for solutions. I was talking to people about how do you stay cool? What do you do? How can I relieve the symptoms? What can I do? And, you know, I kind of knew I'm choosing pasta. I'm choosing half You know, so I, you know, I did a lot of things. And part of that 
was because it was affecting my psyche. It was frustrating. And the only thing I can say is I probably felt like a two-year-old. And, and I say two-year-olds because, you know, you hear about the terrible twos. Two-year-olds get frustrated and they have these temper tantrums because they cannot get their way. And I think that's what happened to me in, in that yoga session. I think I was incredibly frustrated because I didn't know what was going on with my body, right? Mm. I wasn't in control. I had to sit back and let my body do its thing. And it wasn't on my timetable. It wasn't in my schedule. It wasn't what I wanted. And my body said, no, we've got to make these changes. You're getting older. You're getting newer. You got to blah, 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 blah. So we're going to heat it up while we work on blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm like, what, what is going on? And again, it was just for me mentally, I'm a control freak. I love to control everything. I say this to my husband and I know this irritates him. You want me to put that on your calendar? When we put it on, I will put everything. I put date night on the cat. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. It's COVID. I'm here, but I'm putting date night on there. I don't want you to think you can hang out. I'm not <laughs> hanging out with my boys, but you might, you might try to sleep. Okay. Well, why can I sleep woman? Like what is wrong with you? No, put it on the calendar. So I'm a little miss control freak and I have to be in charge of what I'm doing, what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. what's on my schedule, when I'm going grocery shopping, the nights I'm cooking, the nights we're eating out, you know, what I'm wearing, this, this, that, and the other. And so to have my body making all of these changes and affecting what I'm wearing, affecting what I'm able to do, affecting if I'm able to stay in a meeting or I got to get up and leave or excuse me, I'll be back. And, you know, I got to go get the church fan Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of this. It was frustrating. And God bless those women out there who went through it naturally and were able to do that. And like you said, come out with still a strong psyche. You know, I probably needed to pray a little bit more and put it in God's hands, but I said, well, here, God, let me, let's turn it over to the doctor and put it in his hands (laughs) because we need a solution quick. You know, we ain't trying to wait, you know, six months or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was, yeah, it definitely affected my psyche and my mental, you know, ability. Cause I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't do work. I couldn't do other things. So yeah. All of mankind that we know of, women have been shamed for their menstrual cycles. And I contributed, especially to modern day society for the lack of education, because they teach you in school what the menstrual cycle is for. but For me, if I was a health teacher and I'm teaching it, I'm like, listen, guys, there's a way that you can teach where people don't feel ashamed or stigmatized for doing it. Like, girl, wrap that thing up tight, girl, before you put it in the trash so nobody don't see. Wrap it up tight, girl. Wrap it up tight. And so why? You wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be here without this thing. And when you think about the menstrual cycle and you understand what the process is like, then it no longer has become this ugly thing. You're like, this is beautiful. This is life. This is interesting. This is me. And my body goes through this thing and it's natural and it's okay. Just the lack of education is why we view things the way that we do. And then let's be honest, there's not enough women in certain positions who can advocate for other women. And then there's a lot of women who are in those positions who are just shucking and jabbing, going along with the flow. Instead of speaking their truth as a woman and using their divine feminine energy to educate these people and educate these men around them. 
And that's why we're seeing all this legislation come out in the government with men making decisions. And this, excuse me, sir, tell me which time in your life did you carry a baby? Did you go through the steps, the process, et cetera? But you think that you have the right to sit there and tell a woman what she can and can't do with her body, a body in which you will never carry, conceive, or go through anything that comes with having a child. Go have several seats. That's not a conversation that you have a seat at this table because it's not. it doesn't impact your life. You don't probably even understand all that goes with it. When you were talking about the shame, I have this saying, and I post it on Facebook probably once a year, stay out of people's uteruses. Mm-hmm. If you are not the person that is going up in there, you have no business asking, saying, talking about yeah. anything about her uterus. And here's the truth with that. We never know why a woman doesn't have kids. Sure, she may have just chosen, hey, that's not my life's journey. And you mm-hmm. know what? I would much rather use that's not your life's journey than you bring this child into this world and you abuse them yeah. or you mistreat them. But it could also be that you can't have a child. Maybe you just lost a child. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have a partner. There's so many things that go into this reality. And your nosiness and pettiness could really be triggering someone in a way that you can't even imagine. To avoid that, just stay out the uterus unless you up in there yourself. It's not your concern. Don't ask the questions. If she don't have a child, she don't have a child because she don't have one for whatever reason. (laughs) Because there is a lot that people are dealing with in this space. And you just really never know what your question out of pure selfishness or curiosity is doing to her. After a few years of letting kind of the diagnosis kind of sit in and I got used to it, for me, I didn't want the same thing to happen to another black woman. So it more became less of me not wanting people in my business or wanting to shut down or shut people out. It's more of like, I'm advocating, you know, for other women to make sure that, again, this doesn't reoccur. So I am always willing to tell my story. When Dawn came to me about, you know, her idea to do your podcast, Cassie, without hesitation, I was like, of course, if this reaches one person, you know, then I truly have fulfilled my purpose or or God's purpose for me in this diagnosis, because that's what I had to kind of turn it into. Like, okay, this is my reality. This is where I am. Now I got to figure out, okay, God, what's my purpose for this? And so I think this truly is what my purpose is for it, is to tell my stories so that others can make sure that they advocate for themselves and, you know, second opinions moving moving forward. That's so awesome. You can get to the place where you take your pain and you can see the purpose behind it and live in that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I thought, you know, in the beginning, I thought I would never see, let alone five years later, based off of, you know, prognosis. But I never thought in the beginning that I would be here mentally um, able to help others. Mm-hmm. Never thought I'd be here. That's so awesome. I would say that for me, there's a little bit of that. I'm just getting to that point, Mo. But for mm-hmm. me, it's really about not allowing this disease to 
keep me in a box of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happened. The minute I heard it, it became a box of fear that I packed myself into. And I just, I, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want people to look at me and treat me any differently. Although, you know, the stigma of cancer is not the same as it once was. But for me, in my mind, I still wanted to live in this box where I felt like I was more protected there and I was afraid. And it's now important to me to not live in that shadow of fear anymore, to really, you know, just to fight this disease with information. That's really what we do. We have to fight it with information. And some of the things that happened to me in fighting this disease, like Monica said, I want other women to know the importance of medical advocacies and second opinions and third opinions and trusting your gut because all of those things happen, you know, and I I can't Mm -hmm. say that I came out of this unscathed, but still there were certainly parts where having one key person kind of helped or just listening to my gut and doing proper research, no just regular Google searches, but just the proper research (laughs) of of the disease and treatment and and possibilities and really not being afraid to say no to a doctor. I want women to hear this podcast and understand that they are empowered. You are in charge. Your doctor is there in an advisory state, but you're in charge. Absolutely. That's so key. Monica, you were in your 30s. Dawn, you were in your 40s. You don't have to be what we call old to be impacted by this and how, you know, you can still be very young in your life. And so it behooves all of us to be aware of how we can be impacted by cancer and not just kind of put it off as, oh, it's something I, you know, maybe have to be worried about when I get older or up in age. That's not always the truth. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's definitely not the case. I, I think, um, Hearing about uh, Chadwick Boseman, mm. really, uh, we kind of talked about this. It, it threw me. And that survivor's remorse hit me. Like, what makes me different from him? Why did I survive? Or when you see a child, for me, particularly when I see a child who succumbs to cancer, I'm like, why did I make it? Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Like, what is the difference? But at the same time, it, there is a part of me that is empowered to say, well, this must be for a reason. God has a plan for me. And it is my responsibility to try to figure out what that plan is and live my life the way he wants me to, to fulfill whatever God's purpose is in my life. It is my responsibility to try to make sure that I do that while I'm here. And so I can't spend too much time asking why, why this, why that. Mm-hmm. You have to spend time doing more than asking questions sometimes. So this experience, I will say for me, has changed my life. I had to allow myself to be open and honest about what I've been through. And so being honest about what I've been through and that I'm still going through it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Crowned Opulence Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Join the Opulent Outcomes Society Facebook group. Follow me on social media at the Cassandra Alexis on Facebook and Instagram. Visit CassandraAlexis.com for more information. Did this episode resonate with you? Take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, and tag me at the Cassandra Alexis. I will be sure to give you a shout out in a future episode. 
Are you loving the show? Leave a five-star rating and review. It helps the show and helps other women find and connect with us. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free so you don't miss an episode. Remember, you aren't everyone's glass of champagne and everyone isn't yours. Only a select few are privileged to enjoy you.